Therefore, our sometime sister, now our queen, the imperial jointress to this warlike state, have we, as twere with a defeated joy, with an auspicious and a dropping eye, with mirth and funeral and with dirge and marriage, in equal scale weighing delight and dole, taken to wife. Shannon Camp. I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Tonight we're discussing Season 4, Episode 10, with mirth in funeral and with dirge in marriage. In the lead-up to Robert and Willow's wedding, a burgeoning uprising has Robert suspicious of everyone, as the rest of the family unites to combat a formidable foe. I feel like every episode of the podcast this season, after the introduction, there's been a long, heavy pause while we try to grapple with how to even begin to dive into what the show well, has done to us this season. Let's start with this. There is a very significant chance, I think our producer Darren is a little more bullish on it than us, that we have just watched the last episode of the Roy- new episode of the Royals we will ever see. Very possibly the last episode we will ever see. Yeah, this might be your last regular coverage episode of Season Fools. We're going to kick off a season wrap-up and potentially a series wrap-up after this, but we just don't know at this point whether we just watched a season finale or a series finale. Well, but I think we can safely say it was written to be a season finale. Oh, one billion percent. Finale. And we can discuss that more in a bit, but we're here. We're, I guess, I would say mourning, but I think celebrating is maybe the more accurate term. We have... <laughs> we're drinking. Yeah, we have a hard cider and a whiskey. Uh respectively shannon has the whiskey i was gonna say people are just gonna assume um but yeah so our plan is this episode obviously our last regular coverage episode at least for this season after this we're going to have our normal season uh look back at the season episode that we do every single year with uh our our uh stalwart producer producer, Darren. darren he keeps us honest keeps us humble um He edits it and makes it comprehensible. That's what he does mostly. He makes it comprehensible. He might, at this very moment, be playing a cover of Radiohead's Creep underneath us, which we will get to. Um, And then we're going to await, with bated breath, the news of the show's fate. If it is canceled, we will do a series look-back episode, a finale for Stage of Fools that will cover... All four seasons and just kind of some thoughts and feelings we have looking back at the entire show. <laughs> and if it's renewed, uh, we'll probably announce it on our Facebook and you won't hear from us again for about 14 months. <laughs> While they try to scrape something together. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. Um, Darren has some insidery reasons why he suspects that it may be renewed. We can discuss that with him on the season look back, I think. Um, 
we can discuss the chances that this thing will be coming back. I think for this episode, though, let's just let's look at what what was laying at our feet. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, just to get us started, I did want to talk to you while we we're on air. Something weird happened. Um, when you were here before, you couldn't look me in the eye. You're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. Oh, is this a song that I was not paying attention to? Well, the episode opens with a choral cover of Radiohead's Creep. It's... Those are the opening lyrics. Oh, Zach didn't know. I, I know I the chorus. Says, when you were here before, I could look you in the eye. It basically sounds like that. It's not as good as the Scala and Kolachovny brothers cover that's in the social network. So... The episode begins with what I immediately knew was a dream sequence because there was a cover of Radiohead's Creep playing in, like, oh gosh. It's supposed to be like the chapel that the royal family gets married in. I wish we had Darren here because I'm unfortunately not enough of an Anglophile to have the uh, stuff on the top of my yeah. dome when I'm drinking. This but, is something uh, that. Windsor. This is something that um, I inquired. Uh, to Shannon about, but she uh, ostensibly, I mean, she was unsure of the answer, but I think it's possible in uh, more foresight than the people behind the show have ever put into any other aspect of this show, that they intentionally aired this episode the week prior to the genuine real royal wedding. Like, they spaced out the number of weeks. It may, it may account for why it took so long after this was filmed to actually air it. Although I think they also did pair it with that assignment, that arrangement. The arrangement. Maybe they paired it with that too. But I don't either by happenstance deep, but... or by planning, they did uh, air this episode all about a royal wedding just six days before an actual royal wedding. The world's most inaccurate royal wedding of all time. Like royal weddings are so about tradition. The idea that there would be a radio head cover instead of classical now, music in the chapel is hilarious. To be fair, that was a dream. But it happens later in the episode. But it for does real. happen later in the episode. For so real. Willow must be dreaming her wedding plan. Maybe Willow insisted when I get married, she saw Social Network. It was like that choral cover of Creep by Radiohead. That's playing at my wedding. This is the most romantic movie I've ever seen about Mark Zuckerberg. All your life, you're going to think people don't like you because you're king, but it's because you're an asshole. Good point. What's better That's than... a social network quote. What's better than, uh, what's better than being a figurehead? Being an actual monarch. <laughs> Cooler. I guess What's the word is cooler. better than constitutional monarchy? A billion monarchies. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this dream concludes with her being uncertain about Roberts. And the they have. The dream is the thing that's making her uncertain? Yeah, well, they're talking during their. While the, like, during the I do's, they're having a whispered conversation like, I don't know if I can trust you, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, You're supposed to shut up and look pretty. And blah 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 and I think it ends with them saying I do or I don't know anyway she wakes up from the dream is the point and it was a dream and it's supposed to convey she's having second cold feet about her marriage to this tyrant <laughs> imagine that um, not a figurative tyrant like a literal tyrant yeah um but uh, meanwhile the rest of the family I don't know where do we start with this one I feel like that's the thing I feel like 
our life is in shambles. We're on pieces. We're in pieces on the floor every time an episode of Stage of Fool starts, and we just gotta like crawl forward across broken glass, to try to make sense of it all. The thing about this episode is, for the most part, it's one of those episodes that has one storyline. There's not much. B plot. Everything revolves around what is now openly being described as a coup to remove Robert from power. You know, instead of trying to go through scenes chronologically, why don't we just dig into that plot? Because finally, uh, because Eleanor found out that Robert gave Willow a love letter that he didn't write, she's now convinced that he's evil, even though evidence of him possibly killing their father slash definitely starting the blackout so that he could install himself as basically a dictator. Uh, that didn't convince her, but she oh, didn't he plagiarized know. a love note. So. To be fair, she didn't know about the blackout stuff because when Jasper told her that Robert was bad, he provided no evidence or arguments. Um, but regardless... It's embarrassing how much they waste her. There is a lot of, ep- there is a lot of the, in this episode of various members of the family, except for Robert, uh, getting together to um, discuss their plan. To stand the in first... circles and talk about their plan while standing in a circle. <laughs> yeah, the first of which is when Cyrus learns that Eleanor has been let in on the secret. And that she leaked to Willow what she really should not have done. <laughs> Cyrus believes they cannot trust Eleanor. And they um, can't trust Willow. And they can't trust Willow. And... And uh, to Is illustrate he this, he says he's, he talks about how we're all going to be arrested because we can't trust her. What do you know? A SWAT team breaks into the room at that very moment and puts a gun to everybody's faces, puts Cyrus on the ground, and he says, See, I told you we can't trust her. Oh, wait, it's another dream sequence. They cut back and nobody breaks into the room. They can trust uh, Eleanor. So yeah, this is well. It's they're within talking about, five minutes. They're talking about whether or not they can trust Willow, not Eleanor. Eleanor well, is Eleanor standing is, in the circle. Yeah. Well, regardless, um, he just learned both of them are in. Yeah, but it's just like the show gets one. They get one dream sequence. They started the show with a dream sequence. This is not like Community or Family Guy or some other show that does cutaways. Thirty. And it's not jo- Neither of them are jokes. And neither of them are jokes. So it's very bizarre and like jarring and just totally uneven to do this weird flash where it was all a fantasy but it's played as if it's totally reality uh but the best thing about this scene is that that genesis is it genesis or this is a this is a different scene of them standing in a circle plotting but it uh take it away zach because i cannot keep them straight anymore um yeah uh so I don't remember. We can just talk about that now because I don't remember what they're discussing in the later scene. But there's a much more covert scene where they're very huddled, very close together, talking about, theoretically, I think they're talking about what they're going to do at the actual ceremony. And uh, what's that song called? In the Air Tonight? Yeah. Yeah. In the Air Tonight by, I'm not sure if it's a Phil Collins solo song or when he was still with Genesis. But you know, no one can resist doing the drum solo on that song. So there is actually a very charming moment where in the middle of their conversation, Helena's like, all right, so here's what we all need to do. And before she can get it out, everyone else just starts doing the air drums right, to like, the drum solo. It hits in the song and every other character gleefully starts does the drum solo. That's the thing. The thing that made me like this moment so much was especially Jake Maskell, who plays Cyrus, and Alexander Park, who plays Eleanor, are extremely into doing the air drums and are obviously enjoying themselves. 
And it's so rare that characters get to have fun on this show where they're not like sexually humiliating someone. I feel like this episode needed that because for the most part it is very much like they're in high drama mode or like super melodramatic romance mode for the vast majority of the episode. Um, yeah, yeah. And how, because there is one weird diversion from the main plot that's going on with the family, which is that Catherine shows up at the palace and her and Liam are like doing that thing where you're standing but you're spooning, like he's standing behind her with his hands on her belly and their conversation reveals that she's going to a safe house because she is pregnant. Right, so the the coup itself is going to happen at the wedding. Willow is gets in with the family and is like, I can't marry him. Like, she has a conversation with Robert, and she's like, I know you caused the blackout. And he's like, well, maybe I did, <laughs> yeah. but it, it was for the good of England. South London will be better than ever, and... I'll, you know, help it get better. Yeah, they keep mentioning South London. This is one of the weirdest conceits of the show. And she's like, for the first time giving any care to this at all, she's like, Parliament exists for a reason. Do you really think you know better than all of the scholars and academics and politicians in the entire country? And Robert says, yes, I do. (laughs) But he also makes the bullshit excuse of like, it's not that I'm the smartest person in the world. It's that we need one singular voice instead of a bunch of voices. So what he says which is... Which is a terrible way to prop up this idea. What he says is inclusivity has gone too far. There are too many voices in the conversation. He sounds like a Nazi. Be, there should be one voice. Well, you might even say, if you wanted to rephrase the point, one person to dictate for an entire country. What would... I don't know what you would call, like, someone who dictates the will of the country in a singular voice. I don't know if there's a word for that. This is like taking the idea that PC culture has gone too far to, like, the bizarrest extent. Right. And I feel like there's a vague, a vague, like, a vague edge of, of like, very sort of, uh, like, also a, a liberal thing in there of, like, there are a lot of people who are just too stupid to handle the responsibility of being in the conversation, which I actually see from... Have seen for many years, often from more liberal-leaning people with certain, yeah, like that 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 moment at least struck me as like kind of a liberal argument. But the inclusivity part felt like a it's like a culture warrior thing in a yeah. really weird way. Like someone who was sick of SJWs. So I don't think it was anything. Per- I don't think it fell too solidly on either line. But this convinces Willow that Robert is a narcissistic tyrant. <laughs> And uh, he caused a blackout that definitely killed people. Not to mention the extensive property damage. Yeah. Um, So she's on... I mean, the entirety of South London was destroyed. I just want to make sure people remember that. Yeah. Nothing remains. They said the cleanup effort, this is true, will take years. This blackout lasted like a day or two? I mean, he successfully destabilized the country. That's the wild thing. His plan worked so well. I, like, it's not a natural disaster. It's It was a couple of days without power. And the cleanup is going to take years. Willow's like, all right, I'm not going to marry him. He's crazy and evil. But they play this in the most dramatic way. Zoom in on Willow's face as she rushes into the room where everyone else is. She's in tears. I'm sorry. 
can't marry your son. It's like, yeah, we got it. And Helena like moves across and hugs her because she's like, yeah, I get it, I guess. But the so now the plan is this. <laughs> All right. At the wedding, during the I do's, Willow is going to be the one before she says I do. She's going to say, actually, Robert caused the blackout <laughs> and he's just trying to do a mad power grab. And everyone will believe her because she will lose, she stands to lose everything. This is maybe not the best idea, too, because as we've learned from Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's wedding, there will be one reporter allowed inside the chapel. I'm guessing this reporter was chosen because they're very loyal to the monarchy and want to present a flattering picture of them. It doesn't even seem like this is the best way to get it out to the world. Yes, there's going to be a lot of other royals who stand to lose stuff in there. Uh, How do you know they're going to spread the word far and wide to the poors? I would take, say, maybe the recorded conversation they had with, uh, what's his name? Kane. And maybe Willow can record a conversation. That's what, that's Kane. Okay. How am I supposed to remember? And maybe Willow can record a conversation with Robert, who has already admitted to her once that he caused the blackout, where she brings it up again. And they discuss it because he's willing to discuss it to save the marriage. And they release those recordings to the press, and then everybody knows. Like that, instead of a instead of Willow without evidence saying like Jacques, yeah, at the royal wedding, <laughs> which I don't think would work nearly as well. Regardless, their worry is maybe with the entire country watching, he'll go quietly. But Jasper's like he'll act like a caged animal, and someone will have to restrain him. Like Liam, your job is to protect Willow. Like Robert is gonna grab her body and like brandish a gun. Like. No, no one come a step closer or the girl gets it. And so Jasper's solution, of course, is if I can get my Glock in there, I can take down. Stop. I can take down Robert. Oh, no. Somehow your Jasper impression is scarier than the character who actually drugged and potentially raped someone. Uh, so now the plan is Willow Jacques, Jasper pulls a gun, which they sneak into the premises. Liam, you know, whatever, holds back Willow, and then afterwards they're like, the, our family laundry is exposed. We are ending the monarchy. <laughs> and they all bow. Is that the plan, though? It's for Liam to ascend. No, Liam no, and- no. They talk about how it's what Simon wanted. Like, all of our laundry will be exposed. The monarchy may not go on. And then Helena's like, it's what Simon always wanted. This is baffling, because as early as last episode, Liam was talking about being king, and Helena, for the entire run of the series, has been pro-monarchy. But they're like, well, you know what? It's convenient for her to be nice now. So she's nice now. No, yeah. So, but the plan is, I think they're kind of doing a chips fall where they may vis-a-vis Liam coming to power. But if it's too much damage to the name of the royal family, fuck it. We're dissolving this thing. Yeah, I guess they're like, no matter what happens, we have nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, so... And Cyrus seems to be kind of on board with this too, which is weird because even more than Helena, he's consistently like, yeah, monarchy all the way. But um, regardless. I feel like Cyrus could have such a successful career as a media personality in Britain if the monarchy dissolved. Like they have a huge tabloid industry over there in a way we don't in America. They have a lot of really popular like 
uh, talk shows, quiz shows, interview shows. Like, he could just make the rounds in his Joker shoot suit. I said shoot, I meant suit. The way he did when he had Kansas. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Um, regardless, I think the arc of the season for Cyrus is supposed to be that he is becoming kind of a sort of a good person. I don't think they fleshed it out very well, but I think that's what they're going for. Uh, that Cyrus is turning over a new leaf in spite of himself, kind of. So, whatever, we'll just go with it. So that's that's the plan. Um, meanwhile, uh, Robert is justifiably concerned with the performance of his security detail, given that as far as he is aware, the man who shot him is still on the... tried to shoot him is still on the loose, uh, though it was actually intended for Jasper, as we all know. And someone broke into the palace recently and slipped his wife LSD. <laughs> and stripped in front of him. Yeah, and stripped in front of him. So justifiable security concerns, I would say. And so he says to James Hill and Jasper, all right, uh, this is not great security, so I'm going to hire my own it's private. It's very bad. Basically, like he's hiring Blackwater private security. There's an evil man named Mr. Stark. Who's going to be taking over? He's very tall. He has a buzz cut that's like shaved right down to his head. The thing I noticed most this episode was how short little James Hill is. He's very short. Standing next to Jasper, standing next to this tall security guy. There's this scene where Jasper and James Hill are standing out in a field and they're standing shoulder to shoulder and it's like Jasper could lift James Hill aloft, carry him about on his shoulder. Well, yeah. I mean, this. Basically, the Stark guy looks like um, if there was a casting call for, like, a former military guy who's the villain in, like, an action movie, this guy would be at that audition, for sure. Um, he's a henchman. He's a henchman, yeah. Um, so, afterwards, Jasper, because they're blabbing their fucking mouths to everybody about this fucking coup, even though Cyrus earlier was like, you know what goes wrong with every coup in history? Somebody fucking talks. But all the rest of the people are like, mm, I'm just going to tell everybody. It was really dumb for Eleanor to tell Willow before she broke up with Robert. Yeah. So Jasper goes outside the palace with James. Also, I'm going to note this. They're constantly concerned about bugs when they're discussing the coup, but they're always having these conversations. Cyrus even mentions, like, I used to bug this room. It's in Helena's room, right? Yeah, he's like... Robert has recorded sex tapes of his mom from that very room. Right, and Cyrus says... A normal I thing. bugged this room when I was king. And she was like, I found all your bugs. And he says, you didn't find the one in your bed. It sounded like a buzz saw every night. Which I think is a vibrator joke. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I thought of all the sex she's been having. Just like the constant like, ree, ree, ree. But that does make more sense. Yeah. Um, but, hey, get it, girl. It's better than most of the men she's dated. But there's one shot of Jasper looking at the bottom of a lamp and saying we're good. So <laughs> He looked everywhere. Now, if I were plotting a coup, what I would do is, and call me crazy, I would fucking go outside and talk. <laughs> Well, the or at least do what they do in The Sopranos and, like, have the TV on in the background. Yeah, like, it's, they have a lot, they have massive grounds around the palace that it's, that these characters regularly walk around on. It wouldn't be that weird for them to go outside, meet somewhere, and have a conversation about this, where there's definitely no bugs. Go to Eleanor's weed hideout. Go to the secret tunnels. There are a billion better places to go to. Um, regardless... 
Uh, they have these conversations and finally Jasper blabs to James Hill after Robert says, I don't trust your security, you know, training, whatever. Um, and he's like, we're planning. And oh, J- James Hill starts the conversation by saying, you know, every time Eleanor goes Robin Hooding or every time you use your not so secret tunnels or even when your dad confesses he was the one who shot you instead of Robert. I know about that shit. Oh, yeah. I guess the secret tunnels aren't the place to have your coup talk. But he says, he is, he's like, I already know that the person who tried to kill Robert didn't try to kill Robert, and it was your dad. The ballistics revealed that, because that's the thing ballistics can do. Um, But, yeah, so he knows all this stuff. Implying that James Hill is at least somewhat good at his job doesn't explain why he let What's-Her-Name in with LSD, but still. Um... And uh, Jasper's like, we need your help with this. We're going to need to take down the new security. Can you help us with the coup? And he's like, I've got a job to do. And it's to protect the king, implying he's not going to tell on them, but he's not going to help either. I kind of respect that. You know what I mean? It's sort of like the leader of the Dora Milaje. What's her name? In Black Panther. And she's like, I have to stay loyal to the throne. Yeah, I can't remember, but I yes. feel terrible that I don't remember her name, but I remember the name of the guard. Um, anyways, so, although, spoiler alert, James Hill does actually kind of end up helping. Yeah. But anyway. I feel like it was almost out of professional jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there's a few other conversations that occur ahead of time. Liam meets up with Robert, who has been intermittently throughout the episode playing chess with an empty chair there's one point where willow comes in and sees robert playing chess talking to his father who's not across from him but saying you didn't expect that move did you father (laughs) and willow is just like oh my soon-to-be husband is talking to his ghost father while playing chess and she just kind of leaves but he's literally talking to his father who is not there and is dead yeah, Liam and Robert have this convo. I don't even remember what it's about. But at some point, Robert is like, Liam is like playing chess with him idly, like making moves as they chat in sort of a casual way. And then when he gets up to go, Robert's like, no, stay, play the whole game with me in a very pleasant way. And Liam's like, why does everything have to be a competition with you? He doesn't even I say that. To, he doesn't say that, but that's the tone. He's like, I just want to have a nice moment. With my brother, which is he what he said, does say. Yes, which makes and less sense. The idea that playing a quiet board game with your brother is not a nice moment doesn't totally track. I get that they're trying to be like, Robert is so competitive, but that does not read. Right. I think that's mo. Well, yeah, I, I think uh, because when we were watching it, I think you were like, that seems like a really nice thing to do is have a thing with your brother. And it was my suggestion. It's the way, he, based- pl- it's the way he reads the line. Right. But my my belief that it's com- about competitiveness and a constant competitiveness is exclusively based on previous episodes and even previous seasons. That's what I'm saying. I agree with it. It is about competitiveness. That is the reason for Liam's reaction. But that isn't in the text of the scene. No, We're only getting that from our previous knowledge of the series. And it's just like, it's, it's just very poorly written or, I don't know, disjointedly acted. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I was talking about this with Zach a little bit earlier. I don't know if it's a directing problem or an acting problem, but I feel like the show does not have a hold on who Robert is. It's not a mysterious thing where they're like, oh, we're keeping our viewers guessing. They 
don't know. And as a result, the actor playing him doesn't really know what to do. His characterization swings like a pendulum, and then he'll have those crazy eyes, and then he'll be totally fine. But, uh, they have this conversation. It doesn't amount to much in terms of what they actually talk about, uh... It's but, just more brother stuff. Yeah, it's more brother bullshit. And after Liam leaves, Robert continues his game against his father. And who should show up but old actor who plays Simon himself. Simon. King Simon. King Simon. Coming back. We didn't think we'd see him in season four. We talked about this. I don't know if it was on the podcast or off the podcast. It's on the air. It's recorded. We thought that the pictures of him and the oil painting of him were the best we were going to get. Which, by the way, there is a scene earlier where... Eleanor and Liam are on the on the stairs in front of the palace looking down at like a I guess like an, a tribute or an ode to him and the place I think where he fell in season one. There's a uh, painting of him and his family and some flowers and stuff and they just light it on fire for some reason. <laughs> oh no that was I thought that was all of this Willow's like Robert memorabilia. I mean not Willow's Robert memorabilia Eleanor's Robert related stuff. I thought it was like a picture of the whole family. Together. That makes more sense. I thought she was just like having a breakup with her brother. No, no, no. It's It was like Simon stuff. And it was in the spot where he fell down in the first season, I think. That makes sense. I couldn't tell. It was dark. I don't know. You know, I'm doing my best. Um, But Simon, they have a conversation about like, Robert's like, I didn't disappoint you, did I, Father? I was better than you thought I would be. And Simon is like reprimanding, but like you can still turn this around. He's a lot nicer than he was to Robert in life, apparently. Yeah. He's more like, your one chance for redemption is real human connection and love, and Willow's the one, so you gotta find love and stick with it. Okay, yeah. bye. And then he then he pieces out. And meanwhile, uh, uh I did wanna say though. I have consistently enjoyed Simon's ghost. Yeah. I like the Hamlet-y connection, and it's just something a little more interesting than what's usually going on in the show. I've said all along there should be more ghosts. They toyed with the idea of ghosts, especially in the first season. They really should have leaned into it. There's there's three... Um, I agree with you. I wish there was more, and it's still somewhat unclear whether this is actually Simon's ghost or just a hallucination, but uh, I prefer to think of it as a ghost, I guess. It's um, the same difference. What is a ghost, but, you know, our preserved memory of a person's personality? Well, a legit ghost is, like, <laughs> the soul of that this person. Isn't, this isn't a it's show It's an external where, being. But, you know, I feel like there can be shows where supernatural things don't exist, but ghosts still appear because it's, like, a more religious idea of what a ghost is, but I guess The Royals is not that show. The Royals has not thought about it. It's not like, I, I, this I, is the soul I don't know. Come. I don't know that yeah. there is a cohesive idea among the Royals' writer room about whether these are ghosts or just hallucinations. That's true. But regardless of that, there's three other characters we'd be remiss not to mention. One of which we'll get to later because he shows up and is involved with Catherine during the wedding scene. But uh, the other two are Willow's mother is in a few scenes uh, having an antagonistic relationship with Helena because she was friends with Dominique many years before. And she justifiably thinks that uh, the royal family is a shit show. Because they are. And she thinks that they may have killed Dominique because they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, it's again, it's weird because the show has all season been like, Willow's just like your average ordinary girl. But they did very much set up this backstory for her that they have also stuck with that it's not an average ordinary girl. Her mother is, they'll be like, oh, she's a former aristocrat. She gave it up for Willow's father. Doesn't really seem like she gave up being an aristocrat. She's still like hanging with the royals and has tons of money. So her father is briefly seen non-speaking, but I mean, I don't know what, how much there is to say about uh, Willow's mom. She beefs with Helena. They have a cat fight at one point, but it's just like as a distraction. I don't remember what it's a distraction for, to be totally honest, but for some reason they need to distract maybe that Stark guy or something. I don't know. But it's it not even really worth matter. getting into. It's I'm bored of women hating on women. She just, she hates Helena because... They're trashy, and Helena's like, how dare you realize that we're trashy? Uh, the other one is, and this is another character who I can't totally remember why he's in this episode, except that it's finale, and this character must show up every single Royals finale. He is contractually obligated, and that is, of course, our friend, the deus ex machina boy, who this time <laughs> is at least not revealing an important piece of information that was being withheld from he us all He doesn't do along. shit this episode. No, he just has to show up. I don't know why they have him in every finale. All the previous three finales. Boone, just say it's, it's Boone. Boone. It's Boone. It's fucking Boone. And in all the previous three finales, he's revealed an incredibly important piece of information. Do you remember that scene in Spider-Man 3 where... Obviously. Without even telling me, I remember every scene in Spider-Man 3. Okay, well, if, listener, if you don't, there is a scene where James Franco is, ta- is thinking about how much he hates Spider-Man. By this point, his hate has driven his life for years. He's been disfigured. He's taken up the mantle of a supervillain. He's possibly killed people. All over this blood vendetta against Spider-Man who killed his father. And his longtime butler walks into the scene and says, Yo, what's up? Uh, the night that your dad died, I realized that the goblin blades killed him and not Spider-Man. Uh, I could have told you that <laughs> literally any time, but I am now. Peace. I'm never speaking in this movie again. <laughs> This is that is Boone's function in every other finale except this. Yeah, this he's one. a MacGuffin. He's a human MacGuffin. But I wanted to just quickly drop in for those who are not familiar. Boone was Robert's military compatriot. What do you call someone who fights beside you in the military? Uh, um, fellow soldier. I guess. Yeah. Comrade in arms. Whatever. Uh, and he claims that he was the one who got involved with Ted Price in shooting Robert's plane down. But now Boone claims that Robert was the one instructing Ted Price to instruct Boone to shoot Robert's plane down. And so Jasper lets Boone in on the plan and Boone's like, huh, already tried to kill him once. Might as well do it again. And just loads up this really giant gun, even though that's very much not so, the plan. <laughs> so much machismo in the scene. When he first sees Boone, he's... Boone is woodworking and he's like <laughs> it feels fake but it's real it's real and Jasper's like what are you making stop and it Boone is like uh, Boone is like I'm making your coffin and uh, that's a literal line from the show 
I know, your Jasper impression that you just broke out this episode for the first time in our finale has me so well, unsettled and don't unseated. Worry. If this show comes back, I'll forget it by the next time we record an episode of For Sure. Yeah, so I don't know. Does Boone even do anything besides menace with this episode? I don't he's know. like the least effective he's ever been. Like, they do a lot of things that I forget why they do them, but. We already went over it. Willow's gonna be like, Chuck Hughes. Yeah. Um, so finally, uh, the night before the big wedding, uh, Jasper and Eleanor managed to find time to steal away at the chapel. Willow is like. I mean, not Willow. Eleanor is decorating the chapel herself, even though that's really not her job. She's wearing what looks like bridal lingerie, which is, you know, what brides wear under their wedding dress. She's wearing like a white corset and white little underwear shorts. It's the last thing you would wear while preparing for your brother's wedding, but okay. Uh, her and Jasper slow dance together to music that is not diegetic music, like, I in the air tonight? it is. So here's what's happening. They're in the church the night before the wedding, and she's like, It's such a shame. This shouldn't be wasted on two people who aren't in love. And Jasper's like, Well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't waste it. It's a different Jasper. That's romance, Jasper. <laughs> and, um, so that's romance, Jasper, for you guys listening. Try and keep I up. had to pull away from the mic so I didn't spit cider out all over everything. Uh, and I think that the band, like the the uh, orchestra, is in the building, like rehearsing, or and they start playing like not creep, not creep, Yet. but like actual, like sort of wedding normal music you'd hear at a, at a wedding that an orchestra might play. And Jasper's like, ever since I saw your pretty eyes. <laughs> My Tom Austin impression, which you have maligned unfairly, is better. Yeah, well, now I'm just doing it to antagonize you. <laughs> I mean, it makes me laugh. I'm not sad about it. Well, anyways, he's like, ever since you looked at me with those pretty eyes, I knew, well, whenever your pretty eyes are searching, he says, he says pretty. your pretty, perfect eyes. He puts in like way too many adjectives per noun. And they talk about how they love each other, but it's super melodramatic. It's like way overridden, purple prose. It just doesn't feel like anything people would actually say. Like, I love romances. I really do. If you were to look at the list of my favorite movies, probably most of them would love stories on some level or another. But, you know, there has to be a nugget of truth, something that feels real to it. And even though Alexandra Park and Tom Austin have great chemistry, the material for this pairing has just never lived up to that mm -hmm. but it's just a it's a big moment for the jelenor jaspinor whatever it's called it's for the the teen fans who this is like the reason they watch the show it's so like, everyone who watches the show yeah, like this is like a gifable like this is the sweetest most romantic moment in ever and they needed to put that in there among all the political machinations Regardless, uh, it's uh, now it's the day of the wedding. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to point out for anyone who watches the show who's interested in this sort of thing like I am, that Willow is wearing a anthropology BLDHN wedding dress, which is very, very inexpensive. 
Like, the lineup of dresses Meghan Markle has right now is designers like Stella McCartney, Burberry, you know, Alexander McQueen. And I just love that the Royals has the budget where it's like, well, we got her in a budget wedding dress. Here you go. Their dresses are nice, and she does look nice, but I just enjoyed yeah. seeing something affordable that would never actually exist on the Royal family on screen. Well, to be fair, I'm sure that, yeah, like the genuine royal family uh, i mean those are dresses that cost a fucking billion dollars i know that i just thought you know other people who watch the show may be interested in fashion the way that i am and those wedding dresses are very well known here in america and and again to give the royals credit for something it looks aesthetically, great aesthetically this is a very good show like the sets are great you a lot of the a lot of the costuming is very solid like that that's some of the strongest work in the entire series consistently yeah, I would say the standouts in particular have been Cyrus and Eleanor's costumes. Yeah. Uh, so it's the day of the wedding. Um, Jasper Jasper is coming through. Jasper. Jasper is coming through. Bodyguard. <laughs> is coming through security. And beep, beep, beep. That security metal detector goes off. And he's... And Surprise. Mr. Stark's like, step back through. And Jasper's like, I don't intend to... <laughs> And they have, like, a fucking testosterone off for a few seconds. And James Hill comes through and he's like, Jasper still got pieces of metal inside of him from when he took a bullet for the king, so maybe just step off. Pretty good excuse. Even though it's actually weapons, and we all it's, know it's weapons. He has one bullet that he brought inside of his breast pocket. Like, he pulls out one bullet after he comes through. He's like a knife in his sock or some shit. And James Hill kind of knows it's weapons, too, to be honest with you. Because James, James Hill 100% <laughs> knows it's weapons. He has seen all the shitty stuff that Jasper's done and go, I'm giving you one last chance. Um, so Jasper manages to get his one bullet in. By the way, Jasper is still the bodyguard who took a bullet for the king. Like, the idea that he would have a, a weapon at the royal wedding is not crazy like that's something that they would allow it's not just that he's still the bodyguard who at one point saved the king he's still on the payroll he as is. a yeah. bodyguard and he's a national hero like he told it would make 100 sense and would be sanctioned i think by security for this person to have a weapon at this ceremony which is a high target event let's be real like people who hate like terrorists or people trying to cause mayhem would target an event such as this. It makes sense for this person to have a weapon. But um, regardless, they have to find some convoluted fucking way to sneak this in. Um, meanwhile, everybody's getting together. Uh, Stark is coming down for some reason on everybody and being kind of a thorn in the side. So James Hill takes him into like uh, a side room in the church and beats the shit out of him and knocks him unconscious for some reason. Good I think enough. there's like a reason for it, but it doesn't matter. I don't care. Um, and Catherine is like, the shit's about to go down. I showed up with Liam, but now's the time for me to ditch because we's got a baby coming. Safe house ahoy. Safe it house. worked out so well for Prudence and Violet. What could possibly go wrong? So she uh, hops in a car. And who in that car but Lucius? Have we seen Lucius since season two when he got outed as working for Domino? He went to prison. So I think the implication is that she has been kidnapped by someone who oh, is yes. against 100%. the royal family. He's not taking her to a safe house. It's going to be more of a prison house. 100%. Now, Room. 
The most interesting aspect of Lucius being the one to kidnap her is this. And what probably happened is they rewrote this character dramatically. Or he has entirely different motivation. They were like, uh, who can we cast around for to be the person who's her kidnapper? Uh, who haven't we used? We can't bring Ashok back to do it, can we? No, I think... No, the most interesting thing about being Lucius is he wasn't necessarily as loyal to the monarchy as he was specifically to Helena, who he went to prison. Like, he did everything for Helena. And I did, because we watched this a few days ago and I wanted to refresh my memory a few days ago and I felt like I still needed to, because we talked the first time we watched it, we talked a lot. We didn't realize that Catherine was pregnant the first time. I'm yeah. just going to put that out there. Because there's one line where Liam says, like, and a baby. And we were fully talking during that. We don't like Catherine and Liam, so we don't usually pay attention to them. And I felt like I was forgetting things. So I, I, I looked something up on the internet and it mentioned her being pregnant. I was like, oh, we definitely were not paying very good attention. And I was like, pork And uh, that... The thing I looked up speculated that because Lucius was the kidnapper, Helena may be double-crossing the family. I think that's a stretch, but it's the just... The show has, cannot let go of the idea that Elizabeth Hurley is the protagonist. Yeah. Even though she's super not. There's nothing in the episode that 100% says that, except for Lucius used to be her number one guy. I mean, I think on a better show that would be the case, but I don't think it goes that deep on the royals, unfortunately. I think it's like... Who do we have in our stable of characters who can be roped back around? But here's what is for sure. Somebody knows about this plot who doesn't want it to happen, and Lucius is helping that person. So, to bring things around full circle, Willow is about to step into her... Mm. Oh. No. First, <laughs> we are introduced to the priest who is to marry Willow and Robert. Oh, how could I forget? I was about to fall asleep and then I remembered... Um, the priest who is to marry Willow and Robert, uh, is none other than Count Bellagio Jasper's dad himself doing fucking inglorious bastards level fake Latin that is like bullshit nonsense that people would probably notice. Somehow he got in, like how he managed With to- a gun in a carved out Bible. So this is how Jasper gets his gun. He gives blessings to everybody, and when he gets to Jasper and Eleanor, he like does his little like fake Latin blessing, and he opens his Bible, and there's a gun in there. Now there's thousands of people watching. Jasper grabs the gun and puts it in his pocket. <laughs> How he did this without no anyone noticing is beyond me, but he is. It's implied again that Jasper and his dad both have con man super spy superpower and can do this shit. This is a universe where characters can Zach Morris time out each other, so who knows? So that is, it looks like everything's in place. Um, we're about to get to the I do's when somebody catches old Cyrus's eye. A figure walking through the church. And he very quickly just walks off from the ceremony. Again, would be weird <laughs> to the people watching at home, but whatever. Jas uh, Cyrus has a history of being crazy. Runs off from the ceremony, follows this person... And as he's following him, it's clear he believes it's Violet. Catches up to him. What do you fucking know? It's Violet. It's Violet. What happened to her? Her ex Why she disappeared? Why she's back? Why she's back at why this she exact moment. Which make I herself think, visible and then... She seems like she might be working for the bad guys. I think she is. I think it's the only thing that makes sense is whoever is operating against this coup must have gotten Violet and Lucius on their on their side or on their payroll. Who that person is, unclear. Uh, we could talk... We may never find out. We may never find out. 
We'll probably need to cover that more on our season wrap-up. Probably so. Back in the church, it's finally come time for the, uh, the nuptials. It's time for Willow to do her part. She's out there getting ready. Uh, Robert comes up to her and she's like, you're not supposed to see me, even though she's planning on leaving him at the altar. So, you know, it's kind of like crying over spilled milk. Uh, and he's like, I need to talk to you. And we'll talk about what he probably says after the final scene, because the final scene is what clues us in on what he probably said. Well, um, in the final scene, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they're about to say their I do's. Robert, predictably, says I do. Turn to Willow. The family's breath's in their throat. They're ready. And instead of revealing the blackout, Willow says, I do. With a huge smile, and it looks to be genuinely very happy. And they kiss, and there it is. Willow and Robert are married. Willow is the Queen of England. Now, again, we could talk about this in future, but if that weird online person who thinks Helena was the rat, I mean, it could be multiple people who bred out this coup, wasn't right, the most likely suspect actually is Willow. Yeah, I mean... That Willow was the one who set up, who informed Robert, and he set up all these things to catch Catherine, to get Violet in there. That Willow was the one who ratted on them, and Cyrus was right in the first scene to be like, we cannot trust her. Because the show has been so ambiguous, I don't know if Robert is behind Lucius and Violet things, though. Maybe it Willow yet did another it person trying to destabilize No, I don't think Willow is thinking in terms of a political strategy. Here's what I think happened. Robert comes rushing up to Willow in the antechamber. She's in her wedding dress getting ready to go and is like, you were right, I was wrong, I'm gonna reinstate parliament, we shouldn't have a single monarchy and I should listen to you more, blah, blah, blah. I think he just told her that he would reinstate parliament and not be a sole monarch and that was all it took. That was her only problem with him. Well, if that's the case, Here's what I, here's would be my problem with that, assuming they get a fifth scene. What a fucking boring turn that Robert's just like, no, actually, we're not, I'm not going to be a tyrant. Well, there's still, I mean, but there could still be a coup. He doesn't actually stick to his word, but that's just what my interpretation of what happened was based on what happened. Because like, Willow seems sincere. Her dream we know was real because we saw her wake up from it. All her tears over not being able to marry him seemed real. I think she really does love him and she was just, you know, didn't want him to be a dictator. I think there's two ways, there's two things she could have said, I think he could have said to him. So her dream, in part, the problem was that he talked down to her, he didn't trust her, he was cruel and condescending. So maybe he said already in state parliament and maybe he said, you know what, maybe we can kind of monarch a little bit more together. Yeah. It could be either way. It could be that Willow has totally caved, but I think the show is trying to present her as a good, if at times conflicted, person. It just doesn't seem like they've gone with that characterization. She's not a power-hungry character at all. She's not like Helena or even Eleanor. Yeah, but... uh... But whatever it was, whatever... I believe the reason the show cut away from that conversation is because... Whatever happened in that was what changed Willow's mind. I don't think Robert ran up to her well, and was like, true, our plan to screw over my family is going perfect. And Willow was like, I know, I'm playing them. Yeah, well. She's crying out there. There's no way. Well, Robert cried last season a lot. No, no, no. She's crying alone in the room and Robert comes running up to her. It's not played like they're like checking in. It's played totally as if it's complete new information that's being presented to her. Don't play devil's advocate for the sake. 
okay, well... Do you think the show is actually going to let a female character get that political? Probably not. Maybe, like, they'll rewrite Helena to be, like, a super double, triple layer checkers chess playing, like, crazy person, but probably nobody else. I don't believe that. I don't um, believe in even that. Uh, regardless, that's that's the end of the the season. But it's it's very important that our listeners know that Radiohead's Creep is playing during the actual wedding ceremony too, and it's diegetic music. It's like in the scene. It's the you can see the choir in the scene singing it. Well, yeah, that's true, and that's important. But I think it's also important to make it very clear, like. It's a cliffhanger. This is a 100% like, we are getting another season cliffhanger. Yeah, it was written. Nothing is resolved. It's worth pointing out, though, that it was written before Mark Schwann, you know, was outed with these sexual harassment right. allegations, so. But it was written after they knew season four's ratings were not the hottest. Season three? Season three's ratings were not the hottest. Yeah, I was stunned. I thought that it was going to be one of those finales that left a couple things open, but basically tied things up so it could be a series finale if need be. No, it does not work as a series finale. I know. I'm saying I was not expecting this. Yeah. No, yeah, I, was, I, I meant that in, in a, t- a tone of agreement. This is not a series finale. This was not written to be a series finale. This was written to be the end of a season of an ongoing show. And why they have the confidence they do that they're getting another season is weird to me. And Last I, year, Mark Schwann signed a four-year deal with the production company that makes the Royals. Ah. Uh, when we were already three seasons deep in show. Well, we'll see But if, again, I don't know how this stuff shuffles out in the, you know, brave new light of day. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll wait. Maybe some business end shit saves this show maybe the ratings were just strong enough they were in season three if they stayed the same or god for somehow even got slightly stronger this season then maybe e says yeah bring it on back for the time being there's no confirmation that there's going to be a fifth season shen and i have assumed that this was it from pretty early on, but maybe we're wrong. Darren will have a different outlook, I think. I don't know. This finale definitely shook us up because we weren't expecting it. I will say that season four was concerned, confirmed very late. Like there was a time after season three when we thought that was it. Season four was confirmed very, very late in the game. So I think we're just gonna be in limbo for a long time. So what's gonna happen, like we said, um, I mean, we'll do, in a minute, we'll do our favorite moments from the episode. But beyond that, uh, I think next week we'll come back with our season four uh, wrap, wrap up, up. And we'll wait for news to come down. Like we said, if this is it, if this is the end of the show, we'll do a series wrap up. If it gets renewed, we'll see you whenever season five comes on. <laughs> We're gluttons for punishment. All right. Well, one last time, maybe forever, what was your favorite moment or image from this episode? Well, I guess I can't take the one you staked out. Um, you could, but just know it's going to be the same one I say. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably the, the best. What you say, well, is probably genuinely the best moment in the episode. But Obviously, my favorite moment is the in the air tonight drum solo. <laughs> I thought it's a moment that made no sense, but... I thought it was so fucking ridiculous and stupid that I really enjoyed it. And that was uh, when Jasper's dad showed up as the priest doing fake Latin and had the book with the gun in it. That one was so dumb. 
that I actually did find some joy. Yeah, I really liked that. I also liked Willow walking in on Robert talking to his ghost dad. Mm -hmm. Slash hallucination dad. And it was great just to see the actor who played Simon. He's fantastic. He's always delight. I'm glad that they managed to get that guy back for uh, another appearance. If there's a season five, we'll see if they rope him in for one more. It's always a little vaguely embarrassing when he shows up, though, because he seems like a little too good for the rest of the show. (laughs) Like, if you look at the rest of his credits, it's like, for the most part, respected British television shows and movies. He's like, uh, obviously he's not as famous, but he's sort of like um, Anthony Hopkins in Westworld, where he's like... Is it Anthony Hopkins or Malcolm McDowell? No, it's Anthony Hopkins in Westworld. They look identical to me. It's totally Anthony Hopkins. I believe you, but they look identical to me. Where he's like the, clearly the head and shoulders, like, guy with the biggest... Name. Name and acting chops on the show. Not necessarily acting chops on Westworld, but on this show for sure. And... And so he was like, I'll do this for a paycheck for a year, but I'm not going to stick around. Yeah, whenever he shows up, I'm like, this is a favor to everyone else involved in the show. Oh, everyone. I'm sure that he likes like a lot of the folks that he worked with on the show. They seem like nice people. And as we've talked about before, a lot of the artistic designers are very, very talented. I don't know that Mark Schwann is the most delightful person to work with, but I'm sure other than that, everyone's nice. Uh, but that's gonna do it for us for this week. Yeah, we'll hit you with some Um, final thoughts next time. We'll have at least two more shows and maybe as many as, uh, 12, 13 more if they get another season. Well, time will tell. Uh, but for now, walk away. Is that, are we doing that? Is that the sign off? I think I finally found a sign off on our final episode. All right. Uh, I'm walk away then. And I'm FML. <laughs> yeah, and I'm FML. I'm, I'm building your coffin. <laughs> no. All right. Bye, everybody. Walk, uh, walk away. <laughs>